Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another episode of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. What's up? Thank you so much for listening. It is currently, oh my goodness, 10 o'clock. Man, my time is all switched up. Uh, It's 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. And I'm in my office right now with my pit bull, Zoe. She's laying right next to me underneath her blanket. Anyone else out there have a dog that loves to be under a blanket for some reason? She loves it. Ah, She's such a baby. Anyway, so Zoe's on her bed under her blanket with me right next to me as I record this podcast. It's a little late. Today's been really uh, such a fun, interesting day. And my times are all kind of screwed up. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Corbin Maxi, you will know, or you've probably been bombarded. I apologize in advance from all the pictures of the baby kangaroos, of the lemurs. It just there was a bunch of stuff going on today, this morning. So in preparation for my Today Show appearance next week, Tuesday, February 13th, make sure to set that DVR or make sure just to tune in. But uh, preparing to go on the Today Show for some reason here locally, it's been a good luck charm for me just to stop by uh, my local TV station and my local radio station where I got my start nine years ago. And so I, like I said, I just, I, I don't know, I'm not trying to be superstitious, but I always enjoy going there, you know, before my, uh, my national bookings and knock on wood, everything's worked out pretty good. So we started out this morning really, really early. It was my goodness, four o'clock in the morning I was up. And I didn't get much sleep the night prior. So at four o'clock in the morning, we were up um, kind of getting ready, preparing to drive to the studio for KTVB for today's morning news with Maggie O'Mara and Doug Pat Cash. That's our NBC affiliate. And uh, we worked with our good friends from uh, Babby Farms. It's a hands-on educational uh, zoological park. Uh, just a little outside of Boise. And so they were able to assist us and they brought some of their ambassadors, including I mentioned a lemur. Gosh, it was beautiful. It was a red ruffed lemur. Her name was Brandy and I've worked with Brandy for years. And so for those of you who are unfamiliar with what they look like, they're just, oh, they're just beautiful. They uh, just are big and fluffy and they have a, uh, they have a reddish coat, a long tail and a beautiful animal and a great ambassador. They're actually, uh, I just, it's so sad. Lemurs are one of the, actually the most endangered group of mammals in the world which is uh, pretty startling, but uh, they are endemic, of course, found in Madagascar. So we were able to uh, bring on Brandy, the red rough lemur, to serve as an ambassador for her species on KTVB. And right before we decided to go on air, Brandy decided to take a dump on Maggie O'Mara's back. And it was, <laughs> I, like, it was so funny. Like, I just... Oh my goodness. I'm just like replaying it in my mind. And, uh, and it was so funny because we were just about to start and they were doing traffic and because lemurs are arboreal or this species is, of course they live, you know, their life in the trees. And so Brandy was just hopping around my shoulders, eating a piece of banana. Well, she decided to hop on Maggie O'Mara's shoulder. And as she did, of course, Maggie freaked out. If you know Maggie, she freaks out about, you know, just about everything, but which is awesome. But uh, she jumped on Maggie's shoulder, lifted up her tail and crapped all over Maggie's back. And it was so funny. And I don't know if you were familiar or if you had a chance, but if you go back to episode six, of the of the episode the uh, podcast so you want to be a zookeeper i interviewed uh, zookeeper matt matt price matthew price and uh, we were talking about the stinkiest poo one of our random discussions and he said lemurs have one of the stinkiest poos and matt 
<laughs> you were correct. It stunk to all high heaven. So with that said, we got pooped on in the morning, but hey, poop equals ratings, right? It was so much fun. We always love visiting KTVB. And then uh, we were able to, uh, after that, go to Mix 106, which is a radio station. And it was just, I always love going in there and, you know, speaking with Mike and Nicole and bringing on animals and always just such a fun time. So if you weren't able to check those segments out or if you are somewhere not in the Treasure Valley area, the Boise area, and you're listening, you know, around the world, gosh, wouldn't that be cool if someone from Africa or Asia or South America was listening. If you are from a different part of the world listening to this podcast, please send me a message. That'd be so cool. Anyway, but if you weren't able to catch it, just go to my social media feeds, Instagram at Corbin Maxi, Facebook or Twitter, and you'll actually see the video of uh, of Brandy going to the restroom on Maggie's shoulder. But along with that, you'll see uh, fun photos and learn facts about the animals. So anyway, it's been a, just kind of a crazy day. And so uh, I, I took a nap earlier. I'm not used to getting up at four in the morning and doing stuff like that. So that's why I'm up and I'm wired at like 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. But uh, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is I wanted to share a podcast interview I recently did with Matthew Price from Zookeeper Stories podcast. Just a background, if you are uh, are you uh, if you're kind of wondering what the Zookeeper Story podcast is, or if you've never listened to it, please stop everything right now uh, and search Zookeeper Stories on iTunes and hit subscribe because it is such a good podcast. This podcast was like one of the first podcasts I ever listened to before I even knew, honestly, what podcasts were. So it was like the first time I clicked on that purple icon on my iPhone and I literally just typed in zookeeping and his podcast, Zookeeper Stories, came up. So that's how I got really familiar with podcasts. And so I reached out uh, to Matt through Twitter, just saying, hey, I really enjoyed this episode, and oh, they're just so good. And then he invited me to come on his show. And I was, I, I of course, was thrilled. I was a little shocked because... I didn't reach out to him to, you know, to be on a show. I've, I've, I've never been a zookeeper. I've worked with several zoological facilities. I did volunteer at a few zoos in my younger career, but I've never, you know, gotten a paycheck being a zookeeper and uh, that, you know, that not, but uh, I was thrilled to be on his show and, you know, just gearing up for the today show, you know, this national TV appearance. And, you know, also to kind of coincide with the local appearances I just did, I do get a lot of emails from people who just ask me how I got my start working with animals or how they can get a start working with animals. I just received one uh, today, actually, from someone uh, whose, whose daughter just graduated Boise State University with a degree in biology and emphasis in zoology. Congratulations, Taylor, by the way. Shout out great program. And, uh, they just asked how she could get more involved and, uh, you know, to work with animals. And, you know, if, if you've listened to this podcast or the zookeeper story interview I did with Matthew Price in episode six, you'll know that there's no direct path at all on how to get into this career, you know, working with animals. And I feel like that's the same with life or any career that seems like there's no direct path. There's all different, you know, different roads to take you different places. And anyway, definitely interesting. So I wanted to uh, just post the, the, the interview that Matthew did with me to give you more an idea, more of an idea, excuse me, on how I got my start working with animals. Maybe this will just be inspirational for you, or maybe you can learn something. I hope I could help you out and how you can achieve your dreams of working with animals. And once again, if you haven't had a chance yet, make sure to visit his podcast, Zookeeper Stories, hit subscribe and rate it because once again, it's great. So without further ado, I am going to uh, introduce this interview I just did with Matthew Price on Zookeeper Stories. I hope you all enjoy and see you next week on the Today Show. 
guests. Today we have Corbin Maxey on the show. He's a 28-year-old nationally recognized animal expert uh, and animal handler. He goes on television shows. He goes on the Today Show, The Late, Late Night with Seb Myers, Inside Edition, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, uh, The Martha Stewart Show. Man, he is incredible. Um, and I have to say, Corbin, one of my early influences was definitely Steve Irwin. And I actually forgot to tell a story, I think, when I met Steve Irwin last year. But uh, this show is not about me. Let's talk about you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. First of all, we have to break into that. How did you meet Steve Irwin? Uh, <laughs> uh, right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, so at the San Francisco Zoo when I was an in, I can't remember if it was when I was an intern or when I, uh, you know, it was maybe a couple of years in. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but he came to the zoo one time and did some kind of recording and I got to hand him a baby alligator and, uh, you know, chat with him for like three minutes. And it was it was awesome. He's like he was, you know, everything you ever saw on the TV show, like that's that's who he is as a real person, too. You know, he's just incredible. So. Uh, definitely uh, a sad, sad thing that we don't have him anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's so weird because I've worked one of my lead handlers on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. The last time I was on, his name was Jim. And uh, he worked with Steve every time he was on the Tonight Show. And Steve Irwin, he was very loyal to his show. So he only appeared on um, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Mm -hmm. And Jim told me that he was exactly like how you would imagine him, you know, him on camera. So I thought that was so cool. So refreshing. just so genuine. Like, like, you know, you think it's a TV personality and it's not, it's just, just who he is, man. He was just being himself. So yes, yes. Uh, so awesome. But anyway, uh, before we get into to your story, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about what you do now. You know, I, I did mention that you were on TV and, and everything and you bring animals on and show them, but, uh, let's talk about that. Like what, what exactly does your like regular day kind of look like? And it's so hard too. It's, it's so hard because it's like people ask me that they're like, so what do you do for a living? It's like, well, I'm a wildlife educator. And they're like, well, what's that? So <laughs> like every day is different for me. So I take care of my own animals. So I started a reptile rescue when I was 12 years old. And so the majority of the animals that I rescued at 12, I still have. So that includes alligators, giant pythons, big tortoises, numerous smaller snakes, an emu, and a uh, turkey with a bad heart condition. He's like 65 pounds. Um, so it's, 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 are these all, are these all living in your house? Do you have like a separate facility on like a property or something? Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause you don't know how <laughs> many people come to me and they're like, are these all in your house? Like they look so yeah. disgusted. So the only animal that lives in my house is my five-year-old pit bull. Her name is Zoe. So I'm very fortunate. So my family owns five acres um, along the snake river outside of Marcy in Idaho, which is, I mean, you could blink and miss the town. I think the population was like 900. <laughs> so it is a tiny, tiny little town. But uh, the, the really nice thing is we have property along the river. And so two and a half acres is set aside for the animals. So I have two main buildings. I have a larger building that houses 90% of the majority of, um, um, of the animals. And then we have a smaller building that houses our large tortoises. And they also have outdoor exhibits, yards, and ponds. So that's, that's insane. What, that's so awesome, man. Uh, so do you take care of all of those or do you have someone that, that helps you with that? Do you, do you, do you hire someone to, to help you do that? You know, man, I wish I could afford someone to do that, but uh, <laughs> no, you are looking at it. And that's the crazy thing because you and I talked wow. on when, when you were on my podcast, Animals to the Max, people don't realize like, oh, it's, you know, it's awesome working with animals, but the majority of the time you're, <laughs> you're sitting cleaning up poop and uh, no. So I, I'm the main person that cleans, but I actually, I really enjoy it. I actually really enjoy it doing that, just hanging out with the animals and cleaning. It's kind of like my alone time and kind of takes me away from all the busy stuff of, of the whole TV aspect. Cause that's completely different from uh, right. So, so does that, so obviously you have to take care of your animals every day, 
but you know, what, like what percentage of your day are you working on TV stuff every day? Uh, you know, how often are you going on television? How often do you have to travel? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it really depends on the time of year. So last year, 2017 was a record number of Today Show appearances, which I'm so incredibly blessed. Got to work with some incredible animals, work with some great zoos back East. And so um, that was definitely busy. So my day is like every day is different, but I usually get up. I spend several hours on the computer uh, uh, developing pitches, figuring out the next animals that I will be bringing on TV. I spend a lot of time on the phone. I um, also work with this newfound love of podcasting, which actually takes up more time than I expected, but I actually like it. (laughs) So uh, I do that. I also work with my appearance schedule. So a lot of people ask me, well, how do you make money? And so a lot of people assume when you're on the Today Show, they think that you are a multimillionaire. My, uh, my, My family from the Ozarks asked me like a couple of years ago at a family reunion. They were like, so when did you make your first million? And (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, uh, no, it's very far from that. So uh, how I make money is by basically appearing at events uh, just around the country. We'll do like educational events for kids as well as corporate stuff and and, um, all that type of good stuff. So that's how I make money. That's how I support the animals and, uh, you know, their care, vet care and stuff like that. Okay, so... So is it, is, would you say, I, I mean, I don't want to get too personal involved in your finances or anything. Would you say it's uh, <laughs> would uh, you like my 2017 tax return? <laughs> hey, uh, you know, if you were elected president, I would, I would, uh, get right? this, I guess. Lincoln bio. <laughs> uh, but no, is it like kind of like, do you have like, would you say you have kind of like a steady pay? Like, is it stressful? Like, do you like go like a month and like, you're like, okay, where am I going to get money to take care of the animals this week? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, nothing like that. Nothing like that. And thank goodness. But back in the day when I was like 12 or 13, I would volunteer just, just, just to do shows. And I used to do reptile birthday parties. And I remember Mm. one time, I think someone gave me like $25 Matt for a party. And I thought I was like on top of the world. Like I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, $25. Like what? Like that anyway. So, uh, but yeah, so I, I actually, you know, another thing I remember, was, I, I forgot to mention at the top, but yeah, if you want to hear more about my story, uh, I was on Corbin Maxey's podcast, Animal to the Max, a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember the episode number, like seven or something, but you can check that out. Um, but uh, one of the things, another thing I forgot to tell on that, there were so many, we talked for so long and I can't remember, can't believe I forgot everything, but I actually also worked for a company in San Francisco called Tree Frog Treks, like an outdoor education company where I got to take, you know, like one of the jo- was, jobs was taking animals to birthday parties, but my favorite thing to do was go to like, like uh, uh, urban, like elementary schools and bring, we brought in like a Burmese python, like 15 feet and had the entire like kindergarten class hold them around. Uh, so yeah, that stuff's a lot of fun, man. That stuff's underrated for sure. I love it. I love it. And to see, and especially now, I mean, I don't know about, you know, I'm sure around the country, but here in Idaho, there've been a lot of budget cuts. So we do mm-hmm. a lot of title one schools and to see these kids who literally they do not have the funds to even go to our local zoo. Like some of these kids have never even been to our local zoo. And so to bring the animals and to have them, I mean, just see, just their eyes pop and to see something they never would see normally. It's just incredible. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I love that. I love working with kids and I love working with animals. Yeah. Like they, I mean, it's just, it's crazy with the think that some, a kid has like never seen a snake in person or something like that, you know, and, right. and to be able to see like something that, that, that huge. Uh, another thing that my zoo does now, uh, and I wish I could be a part of it, but I'm not in that department is they get to take animals like children's hospitals and stuff. And that must just, Oh so much man. Fun. 
that's that just like that's just oh my goodness and yeah but we actually did some i mean we've we 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 haven't done hospitals but we've done children's homes we've done uh, you know disabled camps we did something where we did for a group of blind children and the teacher was blind too so to see their faces just light up it just was just just incredible just to get to feel like a snake or an alligator or something or, yes or, or, yeah that's yes. that's awesome yeah it was great it was great uh, but anyway, I know we'll probably talk more about, uh, well, I guess before we move on, is there anything else about your career that like your current career that you might share that maybe someone, uh, uh, doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't think that you do something like that or some kind of, uh, other, other thing that I haven't asked you about your current career. If not, then I'm sure we'll talk about it, you know, throughout the, the show. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades. So I, I definitely, you know, do national TV appearances on the today show. I'm a regular on there as well as late night with Seth Myers, which is just awesome as well. Um, I also, you know, do live appearances as well as this podcast blog. I started new webisodes. And so basically my goal is to have my own television show. So I have a great <laughs> team. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I have a great no, team. I, no, I believe you. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a great team in New York um, and also agents that are helping me do that. And it's so funny because people will come up to me and they're like, well, why don't you have a show? And it's like, well, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot easier to say than actually execute. But uh, that is definitely something that uh, that's in the works and that I'm uh, very excited for the future. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Check out everything Corbin does in terms of your TV show appearances. Are they, you know, how, how often are they like, how can listeners find out where, uh, where and when you're going to be on? So um, and I guess the easiest way to find out is to follow on my social media channels. So Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, Twitter, and stuff like that. But um, like, for instance, last year, every other month we're on the Today Show. And I usually give like ample enough time, you know, just kind of building up to that appearances and all that type of good stuff. And the good news with technology is I'm able to post all the appearances. So you could go to my website, CorbinMaxi.com. You could check out in chronological order, um, all the appearances just, you know, they're really cool. And the animals are so cool. And it's, it's insane, Matt, to see these celebrities <laughs> like interact or do, do, anyway, it's just such a, such a fun experience. Uh, okay. Okay. So I promise we're going to get to, to the early part of your story, but you're just, the, 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 what you do now is so interesting and I just have so many questions. So, so talk about this then when you go to uh, LA or New York or wherever you film, do you have, do your, do your animals come with you? Are you talking to other zoo, local zoos to borrow animals? Like how do you get the animals to actually go on the show? That's such a good question because so many people watch the show. And I remember when I was a kid, I would watch Steve Irwin on the tonight show and he would come on with like an American beaver or something. I remember thinking, well, I don't, I don't think the Australia zoo has a beaver. Like that's how big of a nerd I was like, how did Steve do that? And it's kind of an uncommon thing. So basically back in the day when I got my start on the tonight show, also on the today show and the Martha Stewart show, I would bring my own animals on just because they are rescues. And that's something that the segments would highlight They, you know, we'd highlight the animal's story and they were my personal animals. What happened is I really had to expand just, you know, people love reptiles, but also a lot of people love cute and cuddly things and things that fly. So uh, I had to really expand my, you know, repertoire regarding animals. And so now I'm, I feel spoiled. Now I do like what Jack Hanna does, which is well, actually, Jack Hanna is a lot more spoiled, but I, I fly in and then animals are provided for me. But that is a lot of work. It takes weeks. I'm the one on the phone. So I, I'll talk to local zoos. I'll talk to local rescue and rehabilitation centers, aquariums. I, I go through the whole permit process. It's actually a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I come up with all the talking points. And so basically, I, I do team up with these zoos. And a lot of people think, well, why would the zoos do that? I'm not affiliated. It's 
fantastic exposure. So yeah, segments are seen. I think we average around 3 million people. And just to have, let's say, Al Roker or Tyra Banks say, blah, 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 zoo. It's like gold for them. And not to mention what a fun experience for a day to go to New York city and just go do the today show. Like you never know who you're going to run into. And it's just a really great time. And plus um, one more thing is that the zoos love to get the, the messages out there regarding conservation messages. And we're able to touch on those as well. Okay. So is it kind of like uh, you lend me this animal and you're going to get 3 million views or do you have to like contract out and, and pay the zoo the to uh, have the animals? So that's really interesting. So there are some companies that specifically have animals that they use for television. They'll use for motion pictures. And that is an instance, for instance, uh, when I do late night with Seth Meyers, we will go through certain handlers with the zoos though. I would prefer, I don't want to say I would prefer to work with them, but, um, how do I say that? Like with the zoos? No, I am not paying the zoos. We do it for exposure. And, Honestly, I think it's like wanting to get the animals out there in front of people like just, yeah, and just talk about the conservation projects the zoos are doing. And that's kind of the really big seller. So uh, I'm getting really into the weeds now, I know, but uh, do do it. So so, like if so, say I'm going to go, you're going to go to whatever zoo and you're saying, hey, I want to borrow your animal to take them on the show. Do you have to like go and prove to them that you can handle the animal? Do you have to sign some kind of like waiver, I assume? Uh, yes. Or are they, they just like, hey, I saw you on TV. Here's a, here's a kinkajou or whatever. Yeah. So, and mind you, Matt, this is all very recent for me. Recent meaning the last two and a half, three years. Because before yeah. I would have to bring my own animals or would I would have to contract those animals out. So really what it is, is I build a relationship with these zoos. I'll send an, an introductory email. I'll, I'll hop on the phone. Uh, a, a huge thing is they'll take a look at my, my, my television reel, which if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's just like three minutes, but it's like fast clips of like just showing the various appearances on the shows. And it kind of gives you an idea of who I am, how I present the animals. And then we'll, then we'll go from there. But, you know, just regarding, you know, when we are on these shows, safety is the number one concern. We make sure, you know, all the permits are in place. I think one time I had to, uh, Oh, it was crazy. I I worked with a uh, Gila monster from Hershey park. And and, Mm -hmm. you know, what's so crazy. And so I, so I had all my animals figured out. Right. And then I got an email like maybe a week prior that the head head executive producer at the today show, she went on a trip to Arizona and she saw a Gila monster in her backyard. So I get an email and when the Today Show asks you to do something or deliver something, you do it. So I get an email saying, can you do a Gila monster? And I'm like, sure. Like, so <laughs> I'm like running around with my head caught off, you know, just because it was so hard to find it, you know, a yeah. venomous lizard in the state of New York. Right. And so long story short, I was able to find one at a Hershey Park at Zoo America, a great team over there. But I had to sign a giant agreement saying that if this Gila monster bit me, I wouldn't sue, you know, Hershey Chocolate, which they could take me on any, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't stand a chance against that company. So yeah, but there's a lot of safety stuff that goes in place and a lot of planning just regarding animal transitions. And I apologize. I'm like talking yeah. so much, but I just, um, just like regarding when, you know, when you have handlers walking now and passing animals off, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, the choreography. And a big thing, what my job is, is to make sure that the talent, including the anchors and a lot of the times the celebrities do not get hurt. Cause if right. you have, an animal that, you know, let alone scratches a supermodel or something with a celebrity, you're going to be in a, just in a bunch of trouble. So, yeah, I was going to say, so I, we, we do have a lot of listeners that, that uh, are into animals and interested in zookeeping and that kind of thing, but they're, you know, they don't know, you know, necessarily all of the 
information about every species. So talk a little bit about the Gila monster and I guess like a worst case scenario, what could have happened if, uh, if, you know, if that wasn't all set up? You know, I don't think, I think the worst case, I don't think because just because I have complete control over the animal, I'm not passing it off to a talent. I'm not really nervous. Um, you know, reptiles are super easy for me. Usually, you know, sometimes you'll get mammals that bite. Mammals are a little bit more finicky. But if if you watch the show and like one of my, I, I say this all the time, it's probably annoying to people who follow me, but I always say like after each segment, animals literally take over the studio. And it's true. Like we don't make the animals do anything they don't want to. Like they literally you'll have penguins walking on the floor, birds flying all over the cameras. Like we animals <laughs> poop. I mean, they just, we literally just let them kind of do their thing. And, um, and it's, there's, I mean, you could rehearse as much as you want, but there's no, I mean, they always say like, you never know what's going to happen when you work with kids or animals on TV. And by God, that, that is the truth. So, and with the today show, we don't even rehearse. So when you see that <laughs> it's live, I mean, it is, yeah, yeah, that's no, so awesome, man. Uh, that's really, that's so much fun. I, I, I am so interested in that. And I could ask a million more questions, but let's do, let's get back to the early years because you know, that's, that's really important. And I'm sure shaped who you are today. So uh, I have on your information, uh, the first thing starts at the age of 12 when you founded the Cypress Hill Reptile Reserve. But I have a, I have a feeling that you were way into animals long before that. Way in. I mean, just as a kid, my parents say I have pictures of me, you know, holding snakes and diapers. I haven't seen them yet, but uh, we always, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It, it's a great story, mom and dad. Uh, but we always had animals growing up and I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Roby Creek, Idaho. So I grew up in the mountains, like in a cabin. We didn't have plumbing for like the first year. Like we had an outhouse. Like I lived in just you know, the craziest childhood and I was surrounded by animals. And so there weren't any, you know, childhood friends to play with or anything. So I was always out exploring the mountains and catching frogs and snakes and salamanders and just different types of insects. And that, that was my childhood. And that's really what stemmed. I think my, you know, really got my passion for animals going growing up there. So would you say your, your parents were were pretty instrumental in, in supporting that and, and developing that passion? Absolutely. I take my hat off to them. I mean, they were just, and we lived in an animal household and I just, yeah, Gosh, and I, for parents listening or, I mean, cause I get so many kids that will email me and be like, man, I wish my mom would let me have a bearded dragon lizard or a snake. I wish the parents, would, I wish some of those parents would just open up. Cause I think pets are so crucial when you grow up just for development. Don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I honestly, this is, this is probably very controversial, but I feel like before you have a kid, you should probably have a dog or something that you have to take care of. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think so, so, too. so yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, okay. So, so what were you doing? Like, were you doing anything before the age of 12 that, that like, you know, made you want to, to, to build this reptile reserve? You know, I, uh, so I, I was always obsessed with going with our, our, uh, to our little local zoo and they had a bird show, but when I'm talking like this bird show, I mean, it was so cheesy. Like the stage was a mound of dirt. I mean, I'm <laughs> like, it literally was just a mound of dirt. They had a couple <laughs> decorative rocks. And I think like, I think the chairs were like little stumps, like wood stumps. Yeah. I remember I watched that show and I loved it. Just like this presenter, you know, it just showing us birds and stuff. And so I remember like my dad, when I was at the cabin, made me like a, like a, like a fake stage, like with like two straw bales or something and put over like a piece of plywood. And so I would catch insects and I remember lizards and give these fake presentations. <laughs> I was like, I mean, that's like not, I don't know. Like I always, it felt like it was innate. Like I've always loved sharing 
like sharing, sharing, just sharing animals <laughs> with people, I guess, right? Yeah, I've always loved talking, as you can probably tell if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but I always did that, but I never thought, you know, like that I would pursue a career in television. It's kind of a far-fetched dream growing up in Roby Creek. It never really crossed my mind. And so, um, but then, yeah, when I, I rescued my first snake at the age of 12, he was he's a ball python named Reggie, which I still have to this day which he was old when I got him. So this snake has to be, I mean, he is, he's such a geriatric, but he's doing great. And so, uh, but yeah, so that snake started it all. And then from there I would call like YMCA's and I would beg them to be like, Hey, can I get my presentation with one of my snakes? And then it kind of grew from there. And then at uh, 13 years old, the word got out when the word gets out that you will take in these exotic animals, people don't want that are too aggressive or, you know, they outgrow their, basically their cages, you'll get a lot of calls. So like at 13, I had <laughs> 60 different animals in my parents' bonus room. Oh my goodness. Wow. I was going to say, uh, I mean, what was, is that kind of what inspired you to, to create the reserve was, was people that were buying these pets that, that, that they knew they eventually couldn't take care of? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I love being around, you know, animals all the time and the fact to keep, these exotic animals and work with them every day and to teach people about them. I thought, this is great. This is awesome. Maybe, I guess maybe I was going to say maybe not with the reptiles, I guess, but I bet that was a pretty a good way to meet girls when you were little, huh? Hey, come check not- out my animal collection. <laughs> <laughs> I had one girl, we had a couple of girls over one time and she went to the bathroom and apparently I forgot that I was soaking my albino Burmese python in the tub and it had crawled up on the shower curtain rod and she like, the snake came down. Like she'll still tell me about this story, this horrifying story, the snake coming down. But um, no, if you saw pictures of me, I wasn't getting any, um, I wasn't getting any attention. I was like five foot, you know, I was like almost 200 pounds. My outfit was this giant, like now it looks like a blanket, this giant safari shirt. And I had a safari hat on and yeah, <laughs> good times. Good times. Oh, that's fun. Okay. So, so you've got this, you've got this rescue at 12, like, and and at this point, you know, from you doing your, your presentations to, to whoever, um, I mean, you knew, you kind of knew that you wanted to share animals with people. So so the next thing you did was, was, was start your own reptile show, reptile rampage. So talk about that a little bit and how that came to be. Correct. So I, I tried to volunteer at my local zoo and I, and this is when I had all the animals and I don't think I've ever actually shared this publicly, but this is, I, this, hopefully this might be, this might be uh, inspirational. And, uh, anyway, I got denied from the zoo volunteer program. They denied me. And I, for whatever reason, I don't know. I, I don't know if I didn't qualify for them or what, but basically I got denied, but I was still obsessed with the zoo. So I would go down there and I ended up making friends with the zookeeper, which led to making friends with the head with well, actually the only veterinarian. And basically the veterinarian and I kind of buddied up and we decided to do this reptile show. And I know this sounds so made up. And in this day and age, I don't even know if they can do that. I'm serious. Like, I don't even know if that's possible, but we gave, um, we gave one presentation and I think our first presentation, it was just about, you know, reptile rescue. You know, we were just using our rescue reptiles. It's like a 20 minute presentation, but the first day, I think we were hoping like maybe we would get 15 or 20 people over 300 people showed up. 
at wow. 300 people and the director saw it and they were like, okay, wait, this is like, maybe, you know, then they called the local paper and then we, then we were allowed to use some of the funds to go buy a fancy microphone. And then, you know, we were able to move to a bigger area at the zoo. So it was really, uh, it was really chance, but, uh, I've, I've always been a very determined person, like perseverance just, and I think that's what, you know, that's what got me to where I am, especially on TV. Cause it is, just I've heard so, a thousand no's. So, so I mean, did that volunteer coordinator ever call you back and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't accept you as a volunteer. <laughs> no, no. But it was so funny because one of the keepers and the zoo vet, I can't even believe this like happened. It's so weird going back, but I was above, I mean, I, I don't want to say above the other volunteers, but I was able to do more than the other volunteers. So the other volunteers were like holding, I don't know, skeletons or, you know, little furs and showing, you know, showing the visitors while I was inside doing diets, uh, going inside, cleaning the penguin pool. I was working alongside in the vet hospital at 14, which was right next to the tigers. I mean, it was insane. And so, um, just an incredible experience. So just my messages, if you get denied, uh, just continue to go and just meet as many people as you can, because you never know what door, what, you know, that's going to open basically. Yeah, for sure. And that's been for anyone who's listened to this podcast, they know that's a running theme is, you know, stay determined and and keep going if you want it. So that's awesome, man. Uh, And it's really kind of fun to hear that a a veterinarian is the one that was like, hey, let's do a show because all of the vets that I've worked with are like business, you know, like very business oriented. And we've got to do whatever procedure on what. So that's awesome. They took an interest in you. And she was great. And I think what really helped is she was really big into reptiles. And she also was part, this is kind of a side story, but she was part of the Idaho Herpetological Society. So a reptile and amphibian group for people, hobbyists or people who are interested in reptiles. And that was hosted at the zoo like every third Sunday. So it kind of helped that she was into reptiles and the rescue aspect. And, but yeah, I, I, I take my hat off to her and I can't imagine like that happening again, like a veterinarian doing that. Like, I think it was just, and that was back in 2004. So that was, you know, several, you know, 14, what, 14 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So, so, I, so since you're the, you're, you're, the, you're, you're whatever the quote unquote reptile guy, right? So no, actually, no, 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 I'm go sorry. Ahead. Not, no, yeah, go. not anymore. So we've expanded to more like animal expert just so we didn't, you know what I mean? Just group me into one category. So, but yes, right, I was right. so where you were the reptile guy, sorry, is what I meant to say. So how did not being a zookeeper necessarily, um, you know, volunteering at the zoo, is that the primary way you got experience working with and handling other animals when you were a volunteer at that zoo or, or, you know, how, how did you get like man and bird handling experience, that kind of stuff? So I, and, and by the way, I never was a technical volunteer there. So it's like, oh, okay. to, yeah, I mean, they never accepted me. And <laughs> I cannot believe that you had a show for the zoo, but they wouldn't let you volunteer there. huh? No, but it was funny because they would just see me doing the stuff and there was nothing she could do because the veterinarian is like up next to the director regarding right. now. So it was just, yeah, it was funny. And anyway, so, uh, yeah, funny how things work out. But, uh, so I was going to say, so yeah, I worked with a variety of different animals at the zoo. I also volunteered at some local, um, we had a local, um, like, you know, exotic animal rescue here as well. And so I, I got a lot of, uh, just a lot of experience doing that and, uh, you know, just volunteer and then meeting people. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, yeah, awesome, that re- man. okay. So you, you did the show at the zoo and then you mm-hmm. actually got a, a, a real TV show, uh, like that was actually on TV. <laughs> so yes. Talk, talk about that, man. Cause that's, that must've been a really exciting day when they were like, yes, let's do, let's do a, do a TV show. 
dude, it was the, I love it. It was like the happiest days of my life. I it bet. was, I was, I was in college. This was a public access station. So I was the, I was the director, the producer, the host, the everything. <laughs> and I, they literally gave me, and so, and I, I didn't have to pay anything because it was, it was a group of college kids that would film on a Friday night. And so, and it was so much fun. It was this live show with animals. It was 30 minutes and they literally just turned the cameras on and the studio is so tiny. It's like this, it was like maybe the size of my kitchen. This is a tiny studio. And I, they just turned the cameras on and I, it was, I, I, I felt like at home. And so I would book my own guests. I would interview the guests They would bring on animals and you really have to, and Matt, I don't know if you've checked it out, but they're one of the students put together, it's called a documentary on Corbin Maxi. It's not really a documentary on me, but it's the documentary of live with the reptile guy mm -hmm. and that show. And it is just, it was so crazy what we brought in in this studio. We brought in like a live camel. We brought in cows. I tried to bring in a, in a uh, horse, but the, you know, the, this, the uh, station owner was like, we can't have anyone trampled, but, uh, <laughs> Venomous snakes, dude, like this was insane. Like venomous snakes, like I'm 18 years old. And I, and I also, this is so cool. I um, would beg my friends and family in the beginning to come and be a part of the studio audience. So I would have this studio audience in this tiny studio. And so you could just, it was so cool. I, I did such a fun time doing that show. I loved it. So, so, so you actually had a live studio audience then. Did you, did you sell tickets for it? Or was it just like friends and family? Like, like how, how did, how did this go? Was it like a, like the exclusive thing in town to get invited to the live with the reptile guy? Dude, show? It was so cool. And it's in a really ghetto part of town in Boise. So it's like right next to just not a very good area. And I remember they like put up, but like on the marquee, they put like live with the reptile guy. <laughs> This is so, I mean, this is so funny. So yes, yeah, so I, I would have these tickets and you would just go online and just submit a form, but I would, I would never charge anybody, but you get kids and their parents or, you know, cheap parents who didn't want to pay for anything or any entertainment. So, Hey, let's go see the show. And so it was so much fun and they would air it cause it was on public access. So you never knew when they would air the show. I mean, they had a specific time, but I would get texts from my college buddies at like three in the morning. They're like, Hey, your show's on. Like, <laughs> so just imagine like what? And they still air it to this day. Which is, I was going to say, is it syndicated now? Are you getting, we're still getting residuals from that? I don't know. <laughs> residuals. <laughs> I just can't uh, even believe they did it. And it was so, can I, you might not be able to air this, but like the public access show. So the, the, the night before me, there was a show called psychic Sheila and Sheila and I are such friends. Like this is such a funny show. So like she did readings on the animals and stuff. And anyway, told me my tarantula needed a mate. She needed love anyway. So <laughs> I walk in one day, Matt, and I walk in and the, the college kids and the crew were like taking down this pole at the top of the studio. I said, what in the world? And they're like, yeah, Psychic Sheila had a stripper on last night. So, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so like they were taking down this stripper pole. And then I had my set, which like, you know, was a rainforest background. Anyway, right. it's just such a fun show. I love it. Check it out. I will send you the link. It's, it's called Corbin Maxi Documentary, but it's more or less clips, like hilarious clips of live with the reptile guy. And you could just see the animals we brought in there. It was just such a fun Yeah, time. I'll put that uh, I'll put that in the show notes so people will be able to just click on the link and, and go check that out. So that's yeah. awesome, man. So so public access uh, is did, so did you have to go to the, the station and like pitch the show? Like how did what was like the beginning process for that? How did you how did they accept you to do this, you know? 
Well, so I started the show in 2007. That's when I was a freshman at Boise State University. And of course, my dream, you know, I'd, I'd been on the Tonight Show. I had not been on the Today Show then, but my dream was, oh, I'm going to get a show right outside of high school. And then I'm okay. going to just do what Jack Hanna does. And my life's going to be great. And this is how it's going to be. And that's, that's not how life works out, you guys. Like, and so it was at a time when I thought, you know what? Okay, maybe I don't have a national show now, but why don't I do this? Like, why don't I put together a show? Let me, you know, let's do this. Like, I, this is what I want to do. And so I pitched the station and they, you know, they're like, okay. And because I was a nonprofit, I didn't have to, I think I got like a discounted producer fee. And it, it turned out like, cause at first it was hard to get the college kids engaged because it's a Friday night. I mean, half of them are not even there, you know, like, right. hey, yeah. like, you know, just like yeah. these yeah. people are used to doing public access shows where you have people, you know, knitting or, you know, there was a guy that would go on there and just read the Bible. And so my <laughs> show was, no, I'm serious. I'm I, Danny, I believe you, man. Danny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my show was definitely different. I brought in the studio audience and the animals and the kids got the, not the kids. They were like my age, but the college people got into it and the station loved it. Like I, it, I think it really brought, a lot of excitement for the station, some new blood, you know, like creative blood trying to, you know, to. Man, that's show. awesome. That is, that's so much fun. So, so is that kind of how you got noticed for the next step in your career? Did, 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 did you have to go and, and, and pitch the show to somebody else or did you just kind of get noticed from it? Um, so no. So that was kind of my live with the reptile guys show. I did it for four seasons. So that was kind of through my college career. Every Friday I would do a show and I, you know, did okay. Different seasons. So in 2011, Wait, we did a lot of different things on on Friday nights in college. I'll just say see? that. See, <laughs> I was. I think we taped at nine o'clock at night, Matt. Oh like, man, it was, that's like the start of all the parties, man. Yeah. See, I wasn't there. I was busy. Yeah, kids, if you're listening to this, stay in school. No, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, I was anyway. Well, I'm sure half those kids were partying too behind the scenes. <laughs> like yeah. I know yeah. they were. Like I, yeah. I'm happy they didn't drug test the uh, camera people at TVC. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'm saying anyway uh, um but uh yeah so i got noticed so i've i've had a manager recognize me after the martha stewart show in 2008 okay and so that, that the martha stewart show was before this show correct okay um, no, no 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 so 2007 and then in january of 2008 i was on the martha stewart show so okay. my first season of live with the reptile guy first season and then um yes and, I got, and then that, I got, so martha stewart was your first like na i guess national tv appearance no. So, so I was, I was continuing to still do the tonight show with Jay Leno. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yep. And so I did that when I was young, 14, right, right, uh, right, right. 17, and then 18, but it was very hard. What people don't realize it was very hard to break away from that stigma of just being on the tonight show with Jay Leno. It took years and it's very hard because shows are very, uh, they like loyal guests and they want their own kind of experts. It was hard to break away. A lot of people said, well, why could you have not done Conan or why did you not go to good morning America or the today show? It was, very difficult but finally got to uh, kind of do the martha stewart show which was syndicated and that was in 2008 and that's where i met my manager okay so i know i'm kind of jumping around again but i want to go back to so you were on the jay leno show first when you were 14 14 how, years old. How, how how did that happen did you be like hey jay i, I like animals and i like to tell you about them or, or how did that go man Dude, this is the craziest story. So I, like I said, I never even thought I would do television. I just yeah. had a little reptile rescue and my mom saw on their website, they were looking for teenagers with weird or unusual talents. <laughs> and 
my mom wrote in for me. I was at school and she, and she's so witty. She just wrote this one line to the, to the, whatever, the random submission process and said, hi, my name is Corbin Maxey. I'm 14 years old. I have a reptile rescue. Call me the next crocodile hunter, dot, 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 or just call me. Aw, that's and, awesome. And it and worked. A week later, I get a call and I thought it was a prank. And it just, <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, you, and it was, and it happened so fast. And, you know, the really cool thing is that producer's name, Steve Ridgeway. He is now like the VP over at NBC, but him and I still keep in wow. contact to this day. Awesome. So he is the one that technically discovered me and he gave me the green light to go on the tonight show. But, you know, mind you, it, it wasn't that easy. Like I had to send an audition tape. Sure. You know, several calls. And so what happened is they said, well, you know, we were, we're not going to put you with other teenagers for the segment. We're going to give you your own segment, like a second guest. And so, you know, they'd have a celebrity and then me. And I was, it was like a dream come true. This is when I was cool at school for one day. I was on with Pamela <laughs> Anderson. Pamela oh, Anderson. Man. Oh yeah. In the Baywatch days. Yes. Baywatch. Hey, Pamela. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I was on with her. So that was just, it was just, yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, you seem very comfortable in your own skin, but at a 14, when you're on a TV show like that and with a celebrity right next to you, especially, you know, someone of, of that stature, you know, were you nervous at all then? Or, or were you just like, I'm, I'm so, good, man. Just put me in so, front of the camera. Yeah. So really quick, um, just to let you know, so I was not, so I was on with Pamela Anderson. She refused to go out with me. Um <laughs> right? <laughs> big timing you, man. Big timing you. Yeah. Well, the, so here, here's the deal. She is a big advocate for PETA people. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's with PETA and they do not believe in using animals for entertainment. The issue is I wish there's some gray lines there because yes, that show, you know, is for entertainment, but the animals I was bringing on, they were all the rescued. You had animals that were on the verge of dying or animals they found loose on the streets. And I think those conservation, or excuse me, those messages, I think are really important for viewers. And so yes, we're having a great time, but you're also educating millions of viewers. And so I wish I could kind of see in between that, but she refused to go out with me, but she still was nice and met her backstage. But <laughs> I was terrified. And it was the most, it is the most terrifying. And every time I went on the tonight show, it was just like your heart, you could hear the band, you could hear the audience. I'm getting like chills thinking about it. You're just yeah. like, do, 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 just, but I remember, and I'd never done TV before ever. Like I did like one little NBC station or not little, but um, our little local NBC station here for my first TV appearance, just to promote the Leno stuff. But I remember like I went out and I was nervous, but then it, for some reason it felt so comfortable. I remember like I was talking to Jay and I said something. I remember I saw like this at the corner of my eye, like one member of the audience just laughing hysterically. And I was thinking, okay, like if he's laughing, like things must be going good. And I just, it just went from there. And and yeah. you can actually watch that. You can go on YouTube and watch my first tonight show appearance at 14. I will, I will do that. That's, that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. It must've been really cool being able to meet that some, at some, at, the, at that young even, you know? So yeah. Wow. Um, and it, it was great. And this is like, mind you, I thought this was like a one-time shot, like one-time thing, great experience. But when Jay, yeah, Jay asked me to come back on and I'm like, wait, what? Like I could, and that's I was so like, cool. dude, I was like, after I was looking out in the audience and I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. If I could do this for a living, like, come on. I mean, that. Well, was, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and I mean, how, how much of a confidence boost must that have been for, you know, a kid self-described as, you know, not so popular. So that must've yeah. just been huge for, for your, you know, uh, confidence going forward. Oh, it was great. And I lived in a small town. So I was on the yeah. front page of the you were, paper. 
yeah, I was going to say, like, you were a local celebrity for sure. I yeah, like it yeah. was so, it was so weird, uh, but it was, yeah. Anyway, so it was definitely a very unique experience, unique childhood. Okay. So, so what's next after that then? Uh, you had, you had those appearances, you had the, the live with the reptile guy. What, what happened next? Um, so graduated college, Boise State University and with a biology degree. So that was mm-hmm. super important. And for people listening or wanting to pursue a career with animals regarding zookeeping, or even if you want to work with animals on TV or be a researcher, go to school. Like it's so, so important. I'm going to interrupt you again. I've been doing that a lot, but so did you, so you, you had this TV stuff, but did you, did you ever think about not going to school just to go pursue the TV stuff full time at that young of an age? Yes. Hands down. When you are on, I graduated high school that summer I was on like a few, a couple weeks after I graduated high school, I was on with Samuel L. Jackson on the tonight show. Like you can imagine. And when you're a senior or I, when you just graduate high school, you think yeah. you're on top of the world. Oh yeah. Like, oh, like you're like so cool. And then you have that experience. I remember I apparently Samuel L. Jackson looked at me and said, Hey kid, you better go to college. Like, and that's not how he sounds, but anyway, <laughs> But uh, yes, it was hard. But I remember uh, my parents said, listen, like if you want to live under our house, you know, these are our rules, either, you know, move out or you're going to school. And I'm so happy I did. And I, you know, pursued school and a biology degree. And that was the best decision of my life because it was hard to think like, oh, I'm doing what I, you know, what I already want to do. Why do I have to get a degree? But I think it's so important to get that education because looking back on it, like how can I be going on these shows or I'm, you know, talking to colleges and you oh, know, yeah. college audiences, how can I be like, Oh, you know, I'm this expert, this and that. And they're like, okay, well, what is your formal education? It's like, Oh, I don't have one. Like, I think right. it's very important to have that education. And I got to meet so many people and I got to travel the world just going through that school. So please, yeah, go to college. Yeah. And even, you know, I think there's a very strong argument to be made along obviously the credentials is very important but i just think that people do a lot of growing up in college i mean you learn to be responsible for yourself it's like all of a sudden i have to figure out what i'm going to eat for dinner you know where's my my fun money coming from how am i going to juggle grades and social life and all this stuff so i i honestly think that maybe even is 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 more important than than even like the book smart and uh getting the credentials and stuff so so yeah definitely definitely go to school sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there uh no after, I, I feel like i'm just not shutting up i'm sorry i'm like sitting yeah. here like, the show's you know, about like, you man this is about you please talk it's, uh, it's after, on the opposite after side. the after the reptile guy what what was next in in the line of of, of your career so I, uh, like I said, graduated Boise State University. Yeah. I was able to go to Africa a few times, fell in love with Africa. Like I, literally, I still have not been to Africa. It's on the list. It's been on the list for like a decade. Someday it's going to happen. But I literally, and I'm being serious, I thought, you know what? I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to move here. I mean, I thought, uh, I literally thought to myself, forget about the TV career. I could just see myself being a guide here. I fell yeah dude, I felt so at home. Like I just, in the Maasai Mara, which is the uh, Northern Serengeti ecosystem, it has like the highest concentration of, of predators and prey. So I was like looking out and we had just stumbled upon hyenas, which I'm obsessed with hyenas and I'm obsessed with hippo. So oddly I was very fascinated with hyenas eating a dead hippo, but, um, I'm like watching these hyenas gnaw on this hippo carcass. There's a lion, there's a lion, a young male lion behind me off in the distance. There's an elephant in front of us in the river. And then like to the far right, there's like, there's a giraffe and impala. And I just, I was like, oh my God, this is like what I want to do. 
It was amazing. So, um, but I was able to go down there the first time after I graduated through Boise State University, we went down there to assist in a uh, raptor program, East African raptor program, uh, just regarding vultures because their numbers are down by like 60%, even 70% due to the poisoning, human-animal conflict and people poisoning them. So that's how I was able to go to Africa for the first time. That's awesome, man. Uh, so did you do like, like, did you, were you there just for like a little while? Or did you stay like for an extended period of time? Did you live there for a while? Oh, I wish I did. No. So I was there with my college class, the group okay. of students. I think there was like 10 of us. And so I was there maybe for eight or nine days in the Maasai Mara. We also did like Lake Navasha. And I just, you know, I, I became friends with the person leading that. His name is Dr. Munir Varani. And he works for the Peregrine Fund, which is one of the greatest, most successful conservation programs in the, I think in the world, like the success rate, they're the ones that brought back the, the Peregrine, you know, obviously the Peregrine Falcon, they assist with the California condor. So anyway, he's their Africa programs director. So I uh, basically became good friends with him and dude, I was determined. I said, you know what? I'm coming back to Africa this year. I'm going to do it. So I worked my tail off. Like I did ever, I mean, I worked so hard and I saved up for uh, several months and I went back that summer for the great migration by myself. And I filmed um, a little documentary series called this is Africa uh, with uh, Munir. And it was so cool. Dude, that is, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I want to go there so bad. I actually, when I worked at the Woodland Park Zoo, uh, we had an exchange program with uh, with the Maasai uh, Mara warriors that where they would come over and do like an educational program about you know their culture and what they did in Africa. And I, I made a really good friend that uh, I was going to go over and visit them. And then unfortunately, the summer right before I left to come to to San Diego, uh, he got killed in a car accident in Nairobi. Oh my so God. just I, I've oh heard the traffic God. in Nairobi is insane. So I mean, I'm not necessarily surprised, but yeah, really sad. So oh, that's horrific. Yeah, and the traffic's awful. Oh my God, it's so, wow, yeah, no, it's huge, huge bummer. But yeah, it was such a cool program to have, be able to have a different one come over every every single. I was only there for uh, two two and a half years or so, uh, but you know they they had a program where they would send a different guy over every year and and uh, you know teach 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 Americans about about what they do over there. So that's so uh, that's cool, awesome. Matt. You definitely need to go. And it's not impossible. When I was younger, I thought, well, that's a that's an impossible, far-fetched dream of going to Africa. But it's so much more realistic than what people think. And once yeah. you go there, I mean, it's not that ex- – I mean, once you go there, it's not that expensive. I mean, right. Not- it's just the, the getting there kind of process. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. It's just, you know uh, – I'm I, full disclosure. I'm turning 40 this year, so <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, so, you know, as you get older, you have more financial responsibilities, you get married. We just bought a house and that kind of stuff. So I, I it's definitely on the list. And, and my wife says that she's going to be able to send me one day. So, uh, so we're definitely going to do it. Um, but anyway, let's go back to you. So after, after all that Africa stuff, I mean, did you, get, when did you get back to the, to the TV appearances and, 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 and did you ever have like, you said you, you kind of wanted to stay there and be a guide or something, but mm-hmm. did you have some kind of like, uh, I don't know, internal struggle with, with which direction you wanted to go? Cause you had success, you know, being, you could certainly have success being a guide in Africa, given your experience. Um, but what like kind of drew you back to, to TV? So in, so in between going to Africa, I was on the today show, but not that often. So they mm-hmm. would have their main guest, and I would be the person they would call, let's say if one of the guests couldn't come in, like, hey, you know, sometimes okay. they call me a, a, a week before. So I was on every now and then, but I, it was not like I was not a regular fixture on the show. It was definitely hard to get on. But um, 
there was one turning point. I had just gotten back from Africa and it was one of those times I got a call from my producer. And by the way, my producer, Andrew, he is such a phenomenal guy. So he's been doing, he's been producing animal segments for the Today Show for over 30 years. So he worked with Jim Fowler from Mutual of Omaha's Wild mm-hmm. Kingdom. Yes. He, he's the one that booked Steve Irwin. So Steve Irwin would, would do the Today Show. Um, Bendy, I mean, Jeff Corwin. So this guy is like, anyway, he's just, he's been producing these segments for years. So it's, it was a really big compliment that he actually, you know, asked me to come on the show, but there was one point right after I got back from Africa, he called and said, listen, we need you for the nine o'clock hour. Are you interested? It's in a week. And before then I was only doing Kathy Lee and Hoda, which is still great exposure. So much fun, but I had never been in one of the main hours, like, you know, on the nine with what, you know, and, uh, I went back there. We drove. I actually stayed for a week. I lived with a prehensile tailed porcupine named Mr. Magoo. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love Coindus, man. Their noses are just, don't you just want to like just grab them and, and just squish Dude. them and take them? Oh, they're so incredible. Yes. And, they, and we would let Mr. Magoo out at night because, you know, they're nocturnal. So he would jump on our beds. And I actually went with my dad. He was my, you know, travel companion, but he would jump on our beds. The only thing is, I feel so bad for the hotel staff because they have the worst smell. Like they, it's, it's you know, it smells like <laughs> yeah, yeah, onion yeah, yeah. locker room, you know, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. But yeah, Mr. Magoo was great. So anyway, went on with Mr. Magoo and I brought a couple of my other animals, a monitor lizard, a big reticulated python that I rescued. And I, that appearance was just for some reason, it was just magic for me. Just with the anchors, the first time working with Al Roker, uh, Natalie Morales. I worked with, I also worked with a rehabilitation center. They had a, a rehabilitated great horned owl. And that's when I first kind of reached out working with other entities, I guess. And uh, it was just, I don't know. Something happened and they called me after and the producer said, Hey, you know, you just, I guess the big wigs were really impressed and said, you're going to start being on the show a lot more. And I'll, that was like, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, that, oh that's God. awesome, man. So I was going to ask you, you know, would you consider that that your big break? But it seems pretty clear that that was, it was on the today show. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it was. And that's a very, like, it's so, it's a very competitive field. There's only a handful of people that are able to that do that program or, you know, work with animals on TV. So it's just, I'm so blessed and I don't take anything for granted. It's still so surreal for me just to do the show. So surreal. Yeah. I mean, there's Jeff Corwin, there's Steve Irwin, there's Jack Hanna and there's Corbin Maxey now, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so, I mean, to be able, I mean, I, I know you're a humble guy, so not necessarily to be mentioned in the same breath as them, but you know, like that, that's, that's where you're headed. So, I mean, that, that's just, that's just so awesome. And uh, can, I when, brag, can I brag, please? No, please, please. Mind? Okay. So I was actually, and I don't know if, if you wanted to get into this, but I was a spokesman, which this was a dream come true too, for SAFE. So Saving Animals from Extinction. Yeah, yeah, for the yeah, AZA. For AZA. Yep. Yeah. So I, I was a spokesman, but, um, you know, when I was promoting that conservation, you know, that, con- that conservation initiative, which is insane. I mean, I think that year, I, so I was their spokesman for 2016 and they donated $180 million, I believe. It was either 160 or 180 for conservation. It just was just such a great program, but I was able to work with Jack Hanna's team. So oh, from the Columbus zoo. So I got, and I actually recognized them. Cause I, you know, obviously big Jack Hanna fan. I'd watch his letterman appearances. So I noticed his handlers cause he's very particular about his handlers. And I got to work with his handlers. I got to work with his animals and it was like, and it was on my birthday and I was on with Kathy Lee and Regis. Like it was just like the most insane. I don't know. It was like all the work and, just all the years between local TV and just all that work really paid off. That was just such a, such an amazing experience. 
Yeah, I, I can't even imagine that is that is I, I, I don't even <laughs> I have no words, really, man. That's just so, so incredible. So much fun. Uh, so you, since the Today Show, you've moved on to do a few other things, right? Yes. Yes. So Late Night with Seth Meyers, which was just that I was, love that show. Like, I don't watch a whole lot of light, late night TV, but that's one that I will like. Uh, I will find because uh, I'm obviously not that up that late, staying uh, getting up at four thirty in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's one I will seek out on like Hulu or whatever to watch because I like it. Yeah, he's. It was. It's such a fantastic show, and you know, late night is very hard to break into. Like I said earlier, so you know, I had done the Tonight Show, but a lot of uh, you know, sometimes it's really hard to get on other different programs. It's fun. I like the noise. Sorry. <laughs> this is going to be difficult to edit out guys so i apologize we have a new dog and she is still like every every new sound she is barking at right now so it's probably my loud voice i'm sorry (laughs) uh no anyway so i was able to get on late night with seth myers and what was very very just and you know i try to get on that show numerous times but seth myers he's very involved with his show he only works with a select group of his writers. It's a very small group, and he's very particular about his guests. So he's not one to just have on celebrities all the time. He'll have politicians, obviously. He'll also um, you know, have on just authors. And so he's very involved in the booking process. And so when he selected me to come on, like he, it was a major – that was a huge thing. And I was able to go on with, with, uh, you know, with Seth. And then I was on, he invited me back on again. And he said that I was his favorite animal expert, which I did not stand to do that. And the, the <laughs> producer said like, they did not write that in the notes. So I thought that was just a dream come true. So yeah. Just, that's so awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, go, uh, this is totally off topic, but I, when you, when you started mentioning Jeff Corwin, it made me remember, uh, do you remember that, that, uh, kind of like, I don't know what you call it, animal expert, like reality show competition that he had. I think it was called like yep. King, of the Jungle King of the Jungle or something. Yep. That show looks so fun. I remember watching that when I was, I, I think it came out like maybe right after I graduated college and man, I, I really wanted to be on that show. And then when I went to go work at Disney, I found out one of my coworkers actually was on it. And then I went back and watched it and he was one of the ones, there was a competition where they had to get up in a tree stand and like spot animals. Like they, like then they got points for how many they could spot and he got zero. So, <laughs> so I got to clown him about that for a long time. That See, was- that would be me too though. Like that would totally, <laughs> like, <laughs> He's great, though. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you listen to the show, but Jared Davis. He used to work at uh, MGM when they still had the Lion Habitat, and now he he's a realtor now. But I worked with him at Disney, and he actually had his own uh, kind of I don't know. I guess animal entertainment company where some of his animals would go into movies and stuff. Uh, so he has like his own like facility with tigers and, and chimps and some other stuff down in Florida still, even though he's really? kind of moved on. So that's uh, it. And really, just a side note too, I loved going to that exhibit at, at the at um, oh um, at MGM. That lion yeah. habitat was phenomenal. It was really cool, uh, you know, being able to like walk under that tunnel and look up and see them. So I, uh, I actually, I actually never saw them. That's the lie. But I remember loving the exhibit. I'm really into exhibits. So I would go there and just look, it was before the lions. Cause what I thought was fascinating, wouldn't they, the lions lived on like a farm, like an hour outside of yeah. Vegas mm-hmm. groomed every day. And then they would take them in. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah so I, 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 uh, I liked it too. I just, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, but I, 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 I was very, not very happy with like that, you know, why the guests are there watching the lions, you got people in there with them. I just think that kind of sends like the wrong message. Like, Oh, anyone can just go in with the lions. So I I didn't really like that so much. 
I did not know that people yeah. went in with the lions. I because oh, yeah. I never saw it. Okay, yeah, so they I, would they would like go in and like roll boomer balls and stuff back and forth to the lions and, and things like that. And it was like uh, you're telling people that they can go and play with lions and uh, just not good. And I, and, I and go also, there. oh yeah, it's also not a good environment when you have people smoking cigarettes and having cocktails mm. at nine o'clock in the morning. It's right. not like, but the exhibit was still magnificent. No, it was, was great. Did they remove that exhibit? Or yeah, it's any- gone. It's been gone for several years. I can't remember when it closed down, but yeah, there's no more lions in the really? museum anymore. So yeah. no so no remnants. It's probably just filled with uh, slot machines now, huh? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think uh I can't remember the hotel. Is it the is it the Mirage, I think, where where oh, Siegfried and Roy were? Oh like sorry. That? Um yes, yes. The Mirage, no. I think I think they still have like their secret garden or whatever. So they still mm-hmm. have some kind of animal animal habitat in there, I believe. But I've seen that yeah, too. And also yeah, that was beautiful. And Shark Reef was really advantageous. Oh, I love Shark Reef. That's my favorite aquarium because it's it's uh I don't know if I can't remember if they built it this way, but it's almost entirely like predator based. Like it's all yeah. like like super crazy, not not super dangerous animals, you know, like the people like like my my favorite, you know, super dangerous animal that people think are really dangerous are are the uh, uh, the sand tiger sharks. They look so menacing with their like scraggly teeth and everything. But honestly, when I was diving in the, in like the Disney aquarium, they were nothing. And the things you had to worry about were the things that no one thinks is dangerous to sea turtles. They were the ones that would come <laughs> over and try to nip you and bite and mess with you and stuff like that. So gosh, yeah. that is such a cool quick. Again, you walk in and I love how it's themed. They give you like this little travel book and then, you know, you, they have golden crocodiles and piranhas mm-hmm. and a Komodo. They had a Komodo dragon. I just, yep. that's so freaking cool. I think that was probably the first time I ever saw piranhas. And I was like, wow, that's a piranha. So, really? Yeah. Okay. Side story. You want to hear it? Yeah. I had a piranha. I rescued one named Jaws when I was what? 13. I swear to God, I had a piranha named Jaws. I found out fish really weren't for me. He lasted for several months, but uh, yeah, I had a piranha. He was illegally being kept in Caldwell, Idaho, and I had a yeah had a, had one piranha, which is sad now thinking because they're such a social fish. You know, so when yeah, yeah. looking back on it, I wish, you know, I guess his, he had a mirror on the back of his aquarium. So maybe he thought he was with other ones, but super cool. But I remember I would have friends come over and they'd be like, oh, can I stick my finger in the water? And I'm like, go ahead. He's not going to do anything. Like they're actually pretty shy. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, everything you see on movies and TV is like a leg stick, a cow goes in and then all the bubbles of water and then <laughs> bone comes out. Like they're like this tornado of like. Yeah. Or. Like, or do you see that one on like Nat Geo where they stick like a whole chicken in and then like miraculously yeah, yeah. second they comes out and it's like just just <laughs> legs or whatever yeah, yeah just yeah. legs so yeah. ridiculous uh, yeah yeah and, and and that's what that, that's such a problem because because people that you know or whatever you want to call them lay people or whatever like they they see that and they're like that's how they are you know like they that's how they get some of their animal information and uh, anyway <laughs> I was crazy. listening I was listening to this podcast. And they were talking about sharks and just how detrimental Jaws was. Just, I mean, and I, did, oh, I never yeah. thought of it, but that movie was horrible for sure. I mean, the PR, oh, yeah. people are still, I mean, that movie just, you know, people are still terrified from that movie. So it is, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm also a kind of a movie buff. So, I mean, it's a really good movie. Let's, let's be honest. It's a really good movie. Oh, it's a really good movie. <laughs> and did you, although the ride at Universal Studios Florida, which I heard they took out, but uh, horrible yeah, that ride. was horrible. Ride. Yeah, it was horrible, yeah. right? I thought the, you know, the one here is that, uh, so it's different here. Like, you know, 
Oh, maybe I'm confusing MGM and Universal, but though I think the rides are like at the, in Florida, I think they're like separated. You know, there's okay. like the earthquake one, and then there's the Jaws one. But at Universal here in California, they have it like all together as like a backstage movie tour. So you go through earthquake, oh. and then you go through Jaws as part of the same thing. Uh, but yeah, that the shark comes up, and you're like, oh, it's like it's almost worse than uh, at Disney. There's the Jungle Cruise, and you have all the animatronic animals, oh. like the elephant spraying you with water or whatever. Yeah. Like it's even worse than like looking the nose. You know? <laughs> you know what's so bad though? I love that. I love I the adventure oh, I cruise, too. and I oh, I, I love and I laugh. I love cheesy jokes. So I am yeah. like cracking up, crying at just these jokes. That I mean, I oh my god, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's fun uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, so. I think are we are we up to current uh, current here with your where we're at with uh, with late night with Seth Myers is that kind of like your main gig now? Yeah, late night with Seth Myers and the Today Show. I just started filming uh, short webisodes, which I really enjoy doing. Uh, please check them out, CorbinMaxi.com or on YouTube. And uh, I'm actually filming tomorrow at uh, the World Center for Birds of Prey. So going to go check out some condors and harpy eagles. So can't wait for that. But. Uh, I want to, um, I want to quit my job and just like kind of hang out with you and, and travel around with you. Do it. If you want to do. do it, if you're in New York and you want to be on TV, just be an animal. <laughs> hand. I'm oh, serious. You might, yeah. you might have to shave the beard. No, I'm kidding. Could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know what uh, I do, man. It took me a long time to be comfortable doing keeper talks. <laughs> really? With the beard? Not, I mean, not uh, well, just in general. I mean, I, I got exposed to it pretty early at, at the San Francisco when I was an intern, you know, I had to do, uh, I had to, they had they tasked me with creating a, a citizen or, or a parrot show uh, and a livestock show. So I, I did it, but I felt like I wasn't really good good at it. You know, I feel like I've I've gotten way more comfortable now. I mean, at at my current zoo, you know, I'll be giving keeper talks in front of hundreds of people, not millions like 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 you, but still, like that was a, a big shock at first too. Like I was talking to you know fifteen twenty people at the other zoos, but now I'm talking to like three hundred sometimes at keeper keeper talks. So still a little bit intimidating sometimes. Yeah. But I just like it. I just treat it like a conversation to be honest with you. Yeah. I just like, you know, between it's like this, you know, it's like this, yeah, you know? just it's like, like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I find, you know, but you know, what's interesting because I've had people on my podcast animals to the max mm-hmm. and I've had some people who I know are naturally shy, but once I tell them that it's like a conversation, like they completely go to town, like they love, they do great. They're just, you know, they're completely yeah, that's- when, uh, I, I've, I've recorded a few episodes of this podcast live and it's the same thing. It's like, Hey, we're just, we're just talking, ignore the microphone that's sitting on the desk. No big deal. Uh, but it's true. I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people get into this field because they're not people per people, people persons and, and, and don't want to do that stuff. But the way, the way zoos are evolving now, like you can't, you can't be a keeper and not uh, do public presentations. I, I've talked about this before, but I really think that one of the zoo's main purposes now is, is to educate and, and create those connections with, for, with people and animals. Otherwise, you know, they, they might be better off somewhere else. So yeah, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to ask you that you're just such, such an amazing <laughs> fun job. Uh, uh, it, it, I guess I don't even know if I can really ask you this, but I mean, is there any like it like specific kind of advice you would tell somebody that wants to get into like, like, whether it's their own TV show or a radio show or whatever it is with animals. I mean, I, I guess radio shows, even though this is a podcast and there's no visuals, we're just having a conversation. Like most times when there's an animal personality, you probably want to be able to see the animal. Right. So, I mean, is there any like kind of uh, words of wisdom you have for someone young and listening that, uh, that might want to kind of pursue a similar career? Don't do it. No, <laughs> Don't do it. I'm totally kidding. Um, yes. I think advice, perseverance, the sky's the limit. 
Um, I'm, and I'm still pursuing my own goals, you know, regarding, cause I want my own television show and just regarding, you know, future appearances, but don't give up perseverance, go to school. Um, just, just stay motivated. I mean, it, it is, it is hard a lot when you work in television, there is a lot of rejection. Like now I remember like watching back in the day, like actresses and actors, and they, they would always say like, Oh, I would never let my kids be in this business. And I always say, I wonder why it looks so glamorous, but it is a very, it's a very difficult business and you just have to develop tough skin and, um, but yeah, do that and also make as many connections, just as many connections, be nice to people. You never know who could help you out along the way. Like I remember just like I, I was dealing like back in 2009, I, I needed, I was wanting to work with a wolf for the today show at the New York wolf conservation center. It didn't really work out, but I just reached out to her and this, I haven't talked to her in years and now she's going to come on my podcast to talk about wolves. So just an example of just keep connections always, you know, you just never know where life could take you. Yeah. Don't burn, don't burn bridges. That, that's, don't. that's a good rule in life in general, but especially <laughs> in this industry, like this industry is a lot about, about who, you know, you know, so, um, well, yep. thank you so much, Corbin. I wanted to real quick here before we get out of here Two, I want to send two thank yous because honestly, you guys, this show, I, I thought about, I thought about just ending it. I, we had 16 episodes that were, that were mostly all great. And, you know, I kind of felt like maybe I kind of run its course. It was starting to get very difficult to, to find guests, but Corbin reached out to me on Twitter and was like, Hey, I love your show. And, and, uh, and, and that, that is what kind of got me on his show. Um, and, and really you and, and a couple other people. So I want to, first, I want to thank you for kind of like reigniting this, you know, passion for doing this show and me and, and really getting it started again. Um, so thank you so much for that, Corbin. But, uh, but also uh, I got an email from a, from a young man named Hunter Adair. So I'm going to give a shout out here. I haven't done this before, but Hunter sent such a nice, nice email to me. He's uh, he's going to be a freshman at Purdue University this year and, and basically said that, you know, the show is he, he's been he's binged listened to it on road trips and stuff. And and so that's just such a, a powerful thing for me to know that there's people out there listening that that I didn't even think. Was, I thought my friends and my family, maybe that, you know, and that kind of is kind of it. So uh, but to be able to to have you kind of be like, hey, you like it. And then now a, couple, a few emails have come in about about the show. So I'm going to really try hard to keep it going. Uh, I don't know how often the show is going to be like in the last last episode was seven months ago. I really hope it's it's not that long again before the next episode. I, I'm going to at least I'm going to try to set a set a, a a quota for myself of at least one a month. So I think we're going to, we're going to start with there. And again, if you, if there's anybody out there listening that would like to come on and tell their story, please do. Cause this show really doesn't exist without you guys. Uh, and I, and I want to tell your story and share it with the world. So uh, yeah. again, Corbin, thank you so much for coming on. Any, any, uh, anything you want to get out here before we wrap up? Yeah. So really quick, I, I actually want to thank you because I am so oh, honored to be on this podcast. No, I'm being serious. I'm so honored to be on the podcast and I absolutely loved your show. I was just a fan and I just reached out to you. I didn't even, I didn't even think I would be on your show because I'm not a zookeeper. So it's an honor to be on and I'm, it's so inspirational and you're the only one doing it, like just regarding zookeeper stories and so thank you for continuing to do it. And thank you for having me on. And I, like I said, your podcast is very inspirational and I've learned so much from it. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, uh, we could say thank you all day, but I actually forgot yeah, right. something. I forgot something that is on every episode. So we can't, we can't get out of here without this. You have to tell us a funny or embarrassing story with an animal. Okay. And I thought you weren't going to ask me. So I'm like, cause I was, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be that guest to be like, you didn't ask me this. <laughs> no, 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 no. We got to hear it for sure. I just got wrapped up in all the other cool stuff you did. 
right? So uh, I've had animals crap on me all the time, you know, drain live audiences. That's like, you know, that's just a given. I've had, you know, animals bite me and this and that. But the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me happened last year. And I was a special guest at a school in Boise for a STEM program. So science, technology, engineering, and math. And they asked me to come and talk to the kids and show some animals. And I had two back-to-back shows. My first show was for 300 kindergartners. And it is the first show five minutes in and I walk out with my iguana and I'm talking to the kids and, you know, they're just so excited. And I kneel down in front of 300 kindergartners and my, my pant leg completely splits open. So (laughs) all the way down, all the way up to my underwear and I am looking, thinking, oh, my God, I hope nothing's hanging out. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it was that bad, man. Oh I'm not gosh. kidding. So, listen, and the kids just just burst into laughter. I literally, like, my un, like my briefs are showing, like, it, my pants are gone. So, anyway, I have, like, an iguana in one hand, Godzilla, who's just a lovely iguana. Not really. He's, like, so aggressive. So, he's trying to bite me. My, uh, my, my pants are out. So, I hurry up, and I have to run backstage, and we don't know what to do because this is the first animal <laughs> – I I'm supposed to give two 45 minute presentations. I'm only five minutes in on the first one. So the, the principals, I mean, everyone's like, Oh my God, what do we do? And so like I'm backstage and my, you know, and, and thank God my fiance, Sam, Samantha was helping me out. So the principal like ran back and gave, gave like safety pins. So they gave me like a handful of safety pins. She's trying to like safety pin up my legs and I step out again and uh, like five of the safety pins just snap. Anyway, it was like, <laughs> it was just like the most, anyway, th- like that is something I guarantee you kids will never so, forget. So do you bring uh, a spare pair of pants with you now to, 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 to yes, yes. <laughs> we had to run to a target. Like we had to bring, Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. Cause yeah, I get pooped on a lot, but man, when your legs like literally split open, like I don't even know how I did it. Like it wasn't, I mean, it just, and they, it just, I mean, I'm talking like, I would say at least over almost three feet of complete open leg boxer brief situation. I think I would have writ, wrote the, uh, the, 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 the pants company and said, Hey, Hey man, <laughs> can I, can I wear you on? I'm wearing you on. I'm wearing you for shows. I'm, I'm giving you some free publicity. Can you give me a pair of pants that, that don't rip? Yeah. Damn uh, you old Navy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they will not be a sponsor for this show. <laughs> they will not. Uh, no, they're so cheap anyway. No, I love it. <laughs> uh, I think my biggest takeaway is, uh, you know, always wear underwear, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, well, no, but I mean, I, I, I was wearing underwear. Thank goodness. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I just saying, like, like make sure you are so that so that there isn't actually something. Because that could have been that could have been bad, especially in today's uh, social climate. So, God, could you uh, imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah people with their phones and like, oh, my yeah, God. You would have been, yeah, you would have been on every. Yeah, I'm surprised to get some of the kindergarten didn't have video phones taken from you man and it's so weird because they awkwardly like looked at first because like what do you do and it was a loud like i mean you know when your pants rip and i kneeled down it was just you know and i feel like somebody had to be be recording it either a parent or a teacher or something to show to their students later you might be on like a school's blooper reel or something this would have like (laughs) it maybe would help my youtube views you know to go viral yeah 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 totally you would totally go viral right Uh, i just yeah i love that anyway but really quick um Thank you once again for having me on. But if you are interested and you want to learn more about my animals and a lot of people want to see their, their habitats. Cause I live on the snake river and the animals just, 
They live in these mini cabins. It's really cool. Uh, you can go to CorbinMaxi.com. You can actually go to YouTube. Just type in my name. You can watch webisodes. Also subscribe to Animals to the Max podcast, which Matt, you're a big influence. Thank you for helping me uh, get into it and help me with my technical stuff. And I'm still learning, but it's such a fun thing. And anyway, do that and then yeah. follow on social channels. Yeah, absolutely. Follow Corbin Maxi at Corbin Maxi M A X E Y. Check yeah, out. Not I. <laughs> yes, yeah. Check out Corby Max and CorbinMaxi.com to learn more about him. Uh, watch him on uh, on the Late Show. Oh gosh, I'm going to get the name wrong. The Late is it the Late Show with Seth? Yeah, Late Night with Seth Myers. Watch him with Late Night with Seth Myers. Uh, he's he's awesome. And uh, thank you so much, Corbin. Uh, you can follow me at M Pricer if you want. Um, Listen to more shows. If you're if you want to be a guest, please come on and, and let me know. Reach out to me, email, Twitter, whatever. Uh, but again, thanks, Corbin. Man, it was, it was really good having you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxi.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.